Father God, we praise you in this place. As that song says, God, you help us today where we're at. Father, we see our need for you. We see your grace. We see your mercy. And we lean and we seek, Father, to be forgiven in this place today. We seek, Father, that if there are things in our path that we're choosing that are in our path to you, God, help us break that today. Help us get rid of that. Father, help us take steps, God, that, that we look more like you, that we are drawn closer to you, God, so that we're changed, changed for you, a light in this world. Father, right now, as we look at your word, God, as we talk about this running the race, God, and what that looks like and how, God, you've got big things for us, but you don't want us to just coast in life. Father, show us that today. Speak into our hearts. Move us in that. I pray for those hurting today, those that are um, sick, those that are needing your touch, Father, needing your strength. Meet them there, God. We lift them up to you today. Thank you for how you've been healing. Thank you for answered prayer this week. Thank you for great things that you're doing, God. May we not just forget about that. May we not just blow past that, God. We really see our need for you and all that we are. That you're not just in this building, God, but you are living. And you want to be our Lord, our God. May we leave here um, today different. It's because of our worship and, our wor and your word into our lives that that is. So, Father, we give you the praise and the glory in this place. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. And um, if you've not been with us last week or any of the weeks, we're in this new series called Overdrive. And as you look at that title, I think sometimes it can be very, you know, we can look at that very simplistically. Um, but when you really look at what we've been talking about in this series of what it means to live in overdrive, we're really talking about you know, as Christ followers, how we really, God's called us to live at a healthy high speed, you know, and for some of us, we're kind of, we're kind of like that sloth on Zootopia, you know, um, you know, and for other of us, we're somewhere in between, um, but that's, that's not the life that, that God's called us to live. He's called us to live at high speed for his glory to get kingdom things done, in which we're going to be talking a lot about this next week in the State of the Church Address. And, and my prayer has been to kind of prepare us for that over these weeks so that we would be ready to hear, we would be ready to listen, and more than anything, be ready to act. Um, and so as we've been talking about this, this high-speed living, you know, it's really, it's really to, to do this and not be burnt out in the process. That's why we talked about stop spinning our wheels. We looked at the importance of making those pit stops and getting rest. We, last week we talked about procrastinating. And today we're going to talk about velocity. Um, and I know as we hear that, ter that term, velocity, what does that really mean? Well, it means to live at that maximum speed in a healthy way, um, that we keep that velocity up. Sometimes I look at other people's lives and I think, man, they get so much done every day. How do they do that? I mean, how does it seem like when they literally step out of bed in the morning, they get all of these things done, and not just done, but it's done productively, it's done efficiently. And then there's times that as I think about that, I'm like, man, I know I'm not spinning my wheels, but man, I don't seem to get sometimes certain days the way certain other people get things done. 
Um, and maybe that's the way you feel. You kind of feel like you're sometimes in that lower gear. It's like, man, how do I get to that overdrive and really stay there and uh, you know, get away from this place of where I can't feel like I successfully shift to the next level? I don't know, how many of you have ever driven a car that's uh, uh, what we would call stick shift or manual shift? And some of you go even farther back than that. Uh, young people will have no idea if I try to tell them about that gear shift, okay? They might have an idea about a stick shift. Anybody drive a stick shift? Yeah? Oh, good. Lots of people. And I learned, actually, to drive on a stick shift. Uh, it was good to have that experience. Again, some of the young people in here have no idea what I'm even talking about now. But, you know, there are still a few cars out there. You can get them a little cheaper. But the thing about a stick shift is that, man, when you, whether it's four-speed, five-speed, whatever, you can only go so fast in first or second gear, right? Because as you start to get that first gear wound out, as we call it, or second gear, it winds back at you. It wants to go to the next gear. It will not stay there. If it does stay there, what happens? Yeah, you got, you got problems, and it, it, is, it is just going to stay at that speed. It's going to keep whining at you, begging you to shift, and it will burn the motor out if you stay there for very, very long. They weren't made. Cars were not made, listen to me, to stay at top speed in first or second gear, and neither are we. Okay? Now, that's why we talk about this series, because if we're going to travel at top speed on that open highway of life, if you will, we've got to know how to shift in that high gear and do it effectively and do it well, how to live in that velocity space. And, what, and really what I'm talking about is how do we get more done in less time? How do we get more done in less time? How are we really productive in our Christian walk as the church, etc.? Paul really sums this up when he wrote about this from his heart and he was obviously dealing with the Corinthian church and he was really talking about you know from his own personal perspective of you know this is what is expected of me as an apostle this is what is expected of me as a Christ follower for many of us we've read this many times and I want to go back to it today first Corinthians chapter 9 in beginning of verse 24 he's dealing with this need for self-discipline and this means a lot of different things to some of us in here today. And that's why I want us to lean in and really pay attention to what God is showing you today in your life. Paul says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but... We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, always means to pay attention when it says that. I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I mean, obviously, very, a simple summary here is that Paul's talking about we have to run the race. We have to run the way, race in such a way as to get the prize. And what he's talking about is that we have to do it with some efficiency versus aimlessly. And so this morning, I want to look at some suggestions I think that will help us accomplish the things that God has called us to do. And I think if you apply these, it will help increase velocity and productivity in your life. 
And the first one I want to show you is this, and we'll look at different scriptures today along with this passage. But focus on doing a lot more with a lot less. You and I need to focus on doing a lot more um, of a lot less. Now, one thing, just to take a, a little side road here, because I think it's a little bit helpful, is we need to learn from productive people. Andy Stanley talks about this all the time. Why don't we learn from productive people? Because God has is, God is given them you know, tools, he's given them gifts to, to understand how to be productive, and we should learn from them. And there are some things that you'll notice about productive people. And the first one is they're selective in how they use their time. They're selective in how they use their time. And I know that sounds very simple, but they're careful not to waste their time. They're careful not to allow other people to waste their time. And they ask themselves, is this the best thing that I can be doing at this moment? And that, please, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean that we work 24-7. We talked about burnout. We talked about how rest is important. There are times when we have to rest and unwind. But I doubt seriously that sitting in front of the TV six hours straight is the best thing for us. I get breaks. But for some of us in our, uh, you know, watching entire seasons of something in one day, I'm not judging you, but I'm like, is that the best use of your time? Those are questions, because productive people ask those hard questions. What else do they do? They know how to say no. Productive people know how to say no. They know how to spend most of their time doing the things that take them in the direction of their goals and what God has called them to do. And in order for you to do this, you have to be able to say no. Why? Because if we said yes to everything, you would never be completely, you wouldn't be productive. There are a lot of good things that you can do. But sometimes we have to choose the great things for the, over the good things. I don't get to say yes every time I'm asked to do something. I can't. I, I physically can't. And I've offended some people because I didn't show up to their third grandchild's birthday party. But sometimes that's just what we have to do. If we are going to be effective in what God has called us to do, and that's not to be mean, but it's, it's because we have to know our calling, we have to know what God is showing us to do and what our purposes are. Our strength, our resources, and our time are all limited. And we have to understand that. I can only do what God's called me to do, so I have to learn to say no. And I'm still, we're all learning that all the time. And there's another thing productive people do, and they limit the number of projects they pursue. Productive people limit the projects they pursue. I've met plenty of people, and I've been there myself, where it gets spread too thin. Too many things going on, too many plates spinning, too many uh, irons in the fire, as we say. And the next thing you know, you're playing whack-a-mole. Right? Everybody played whack-a-mole before? And it's true. I mean, it's like, oh, this one's the one's getting my most attention now. Boom. You know, and, and that's just how it goes. And we end up being unproductive because we've got too many irons in the fire. And what I found is I look at productive people's lives, they invest most or more of their time in fewer projects so that they get more done. Really, what are we talking about? It's a time management thing. It's a time management thing. And I know we, as we hear words like time management, it stresses us. I get it. I do get it. 
but we have, to, we have to think about that. And we don't want to measure everything by every minute and every hour, just like we don't want to measure every ministry thing by dollars and cents or anything else. But listen, we need to understand about how we need to manage the time that God has given us. That's good stewardship. One of the best classes I took in sem- seminary at Southern was a ministry time management class. Because it helped me to see priorities different. It helped me to rate things as A, B, and C. So that I would get the A's done each day that I needed to. We're not talking about perfection here, but we're talking about having some management there that God has given us and the opportunity. Now, I think some people, when they hear good time management, they think, oh, you're always in a hurry. You're always, and it may sometimes appear that way. Because it appears maybe you're always focused on what, is, what you're doing matters. But listen, sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it is stopping and hanging out with your kids. Sometimes it is stopping and spending that time with your spouse. Sometimes it is stopping and having that discussion with that coworker or that employee about what's going on in their life. And I think what's important is, is, especially as Christians, as we talk about high-drive living, okay, that we don't miss the opportunities that God is putting right in front of us to share the gospel with someone, to show them their need for Jesus in, what, in their life and obviously maybe why they're going through what they're going through. We can't miss that. I love what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time for every time that we, we have that conversation with someone. We can't miss that. Paul, look at what he said in verse 26. He says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. If you want to shift your life into overdrive, and I know I do, we have to develop a habit of making better use of our time. I don't want to be running aimlessly. I want to, I want to be driven in what I'm doing and show me that. And for some of us, we're not wired as much that way, and we, we have to fight that. But how can you do that? How can you make sure that you are eliminating things that don't contribute to the quality of your life? Because I think so much we do. We, we do a lot of things that don't contribute to the quality of our life and don't contribute to the mission that God's put in, for, in front of us. I love what Psalm 90 verse 12 says. Teach us. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, again, I don't want you in fear. When I talk about this, we're not going to be like... Oh, man, okay, as soon as I get out of here, i got to get this done in this 30 minutes. And, you know, yeah, you got to think about things. But don't be so obsessive compulsive that you're, you know, you're literally frozen. I think a lot of people do that. Just teach us. Have an awareness, God. Show us so that we can focus on doing a lot more of a lot less. I want to show you another thing. And it's really helped me in ministry big time. And it's working in a team environment. And this applies in ministry, this applies in your family, this applies in your friendships and in your circles of life, but work in a team environment. I'll give you a simple story. Um, years ago, my wife and I, we were getting ready to tackle some projects outside at the house. And uh, the weeds had gotten out of hand. And, but we had, you know, we had other things on the list, and so we, we thought, oh, you know what, I think the best thing to do is one of us will go deal with the weeds, while the other one goes and, and deals with something else, right? This divide and conquer, you know, is what we were going to do. And so we thought, hey, why? Because if we divide and conquer, we're going to get more done, right? 
We're knocking two things off the list versus one, right? Well, on this occasion, as, as I watched my wife get started and I looked over at the size of the project, if you will, I said, I think I need to go help her. It's a good husband thing, I think, at that moment. Um, but so I go and I help her. And man, all of a sudden, man, we start, we start knocking more out quick, right? I mean, we're filling up the garbage cans quick. Well, the next thing you know, our kids jump in. Yeah, it does happen. Get miracle, right? You know, but so, they, you know, whatever got in our, our kids got excited about pulling weeds and, and straightening stuff up. So here we are. And next thing you know, we got a family affair cleaning the weeds outside. It was a beautiful Kodak moment. That really was some time there, wasn't it? That showed some oldness there. Anyway, but here we are, and we, we're doing this together. And I mean, can, man, we're all doing this together. Next thing you know, we are really knocking this project out. And what would have took a long time for one person didn't near take the time as we all work together. And I think that applies as we do ministry, as we do things together as families, and of course at church and other things. When we do things together in a team environment, two things will always happen. Listen to me. Two things will happen. One, when you're so dogged out, maybe one of you or more, one of you out of the group or the family or whatever, you're tired, you're dogged out, you've had a tough week, and you can only give like 50%. Having those other people will help encourage you in that, always. If I know my partner over there is pulling the weight, whatever, whatever that looks like, I'm, I'm going to still try to give my all. As we were here yesterday cleaning out some stuff, especially our old building out back that had a bunch of old stuff stored in it, and we're putting it in this big dumpster while we've got it. I mean, it is amazing to watch how you, they, everybody just feeds off each other as you're doing it together. It's powerful. And I'll also tell you this, it will not only help pick up slack, but man, as I alluded to, it will energize you. And it will help you um, when, when you don't feel like you've got it in you. I love that because I've heard it said once before, he who runs fastest runs alone. You ever heard that saying? I have to say I don't believe that's true because I, as I've looked at life and tried to do things in my, on my own and in my own solitude... Yes, I know there are times to get quiet. That's not what I'm talking about. But I find that, man, it's harder to be productive when you don't have that team helping you and surrounding you and knowing that they are going towards the same goals. Um, when you isolate yourself, it leads to burnout and depression. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's why you need to put people around yourself. As we would say, get a team. <laughs> Even if it's one or other person, get a team. Solomon addressed this issue in Ecclesiastes in chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Look at what he said. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. I love that. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. There's some of us here today, you're doing it alone and you have nobody to help you up. And I want to encourage you. Don't do that alone. There are people here that love you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy that he wants to isolate you and make you think no one here cares. He wants to make you think that, oh, I just show up to the church, I do my thing, and nobody even cares. People do care. 
But it starts with even having the right attitude of, hey, I, 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 want, I want the opportunity of people to care about me and to show me that. And sometimes it means making uncomfortable decisions to, yeah, to kind of get yourself out of bed, to get to a place that might be a little uncomfortable for you so that you can experience what team and family's like. For some of you, a stumbling block is, I'll never go to a life group because I'm too scared of what people will think of me. Give it a try. You'll find that, that there's a team that want to love you. And more than that, a family. Those are the questions we have to add. Look at what Paul said, I mean, in verse 25, because I can tell you there are many examples throughout the Bible of things being done in leadership happening as a team and other, other things. But in verse 25, he says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Goes into strict training. I don't want to get into all the strict training, which I could today, but there's a reason that Paul uses those words there, that it's A, it's not easy, it's hard. For some of you, that strict training is obviously spiritually. It's hard for you to have things like we've talked about these past weeks of a quiet time. It's hard for you to get involved in a small group. It's, it's hard for you to get involved serving in a ministry. But that's part of your development as a Christian. That's part of your growth as a Christian. We've got to quit making excuses for our strict training. I know that's hard to hear today, but I wouldn't say it if I didn't love you. <laughs> we have to quit making excuses for our strict training. Let's get involved. Let's be a part because everyone who competes in the games does what? Goes into strict training. Some of you are trying to avoid those things because you don't you don't, it doesn't seem, excuse the expression, sexy to you on the front side. But give it a chance. And here's what I know as we talk about teams. Strict training requires that help. It requires that encouragement. It requires that accountability. That is only, the, the church is only as strong as we let the church do this. Do you hear me on that? The church is only as strong as you allow it to be in your life. We need each other. Don't try to live a productive life alone. And, it, and you may think, well, well, you know what, Russ, uh, we're not. I mean, we, we have dinner as a family every night. We do all these things. And maybe for you, it's not your family. Maybe it's your involvement in this family. For others, it might be. You need to make some choices and decisions so that your life is even productive to get out the door each day. Because it's not where it needs to be. And that leads me to this, because I think this is a big pivotal part of this overdrive living. And I know it's going to sound funny, but take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself, too. Now, as you hear that, I know, again, I know that sounds very selfish. But I can promise you, as we have seen, especially in the last year to two years, some very high-profile pastors burn completely to the, to the, to the bottom of the wick. People you would have never dreamed would have gotten there. On the surface, the most successful churches in, in, in America and the world, these pastors got to a point that they literally walked away from it all. If you can't do things to take care of yourself, to make sure that you are being productive and living at that level of velocity, you will find yourself dead spiritually and physically. Do you hear me? 
If you don't do some things in your life to help, you know, physical, and we'll get into this a little bit, but, you know, things to help you to, to, to be in a better place physically, you're going to be hurting. And if you don't do some things, obviously, spiritually to, to help you to rejuvenate, you will be dead spiritually. How many of you have ever ridden on a plane? Probably many of you. And what always happens before you ever, they ever close the door and head down the, the runway to go take off? They always go through the big announcement, don't they? Everybody's favorite, right? I enjoyed, I think, the last time I flew, they actually had the video. You know, at least that broke it up, right? But no, I mean, what are one of the, they talk about different things like your seatbelt and all, but one of the things they really talk about in the safety instruction before the flight is if there is an emergency and the oxygen masks fall, what are you supposed to do? Y'all listen, good. Put, put your mask on first on you. Why is that? Yes, everyone's correct. I, don't know, I think you said the right answer. No, but right, because you're no good to somebody else if you don't make sure that you are getting oxygen to not pass out, whatever, et cetera. Exactly. None of us, listen to me, can burn the candle at both ends for the next 30 years without some set of consequence. Listen to me. We can't. And we may think we can, but we can't. And I want to just remind you that life and ministry, all of it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Now, do we want to live at high-speed living, giving our all? Yes. But we also have to be smart about it. And if any of us are going to go the distance, we have to take care of ourselves along the way. I mean, it's so different when you load up the car, load up the van to take a trip, right, with your family, whatever. What do you do? You make sure things happen, right? Before you go on the trip, you change the oil, you service your car, you make sure you get some snacks and more snacks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you make sure that you, that, that you got all that you need for the trip so that you, you've got luggage with all your clothes when you get there. You, you, you know, you, you've got you know, the music or DVD choices for your kids or whatever so that you can go the distance. You take care of yourself so you can make it to where you're going. I don't know how long each of us have on this earth. The Bible says that we've been given a time and it's appointed to all men to stand before judgment before God and to die. We will not all live forever on this earth. None of us. And when you think about that picture, whatever that time that God has given us, are you going to live it effectively? I mean, I think about the words of King David, Psalm 20, 127, verse 2. He said, in vain, he said, you, you are rising early and you're staying up late and all of it, you are toiling for food to even eat, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. Think about that. I look at that, and it's like that's where some of us are at today. We're rising early, and we're staying up late because we're, we're searching for value in our lives, and we, we are sitting there at night going, oh, if I only had this, or if I only just was doing this, I would feel so complete. And he's talking about here, you're just toiling. Maybe it's not necessarily for food to eat, but you're, you're toiling. You're toiling with what life is offering you. 
And what I find in my own life when I'm at that kind of picture I just painted there is that many times I'm pushing myself to exhaustion mentally, not doing the things I should be doing spiritually. I'm not physically doing things that are healthy for me. And there I am, up late at night, toiling over all that's in front of me. And when I think about that, it reminds me, and I hope you see this today, that we're not to do this stuff in our strength. And when I, lay, when I sit there at night and I'm toiling over all these things, I realize, you know what, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to do it in my strength. I'm trying to do it my way or in my control. <laughs> instead of doing it in God's strength. You will not be productive if you try to do things in your strength and not do things that take care of yourself and help you. For some of us, if we're not sleeping well at night, and I'm not a doctor, so please. <laughs> but maybe, maybe this is something spiritually going on with you. You're trying to, to toil with all of this because you're at the point of exhaustion and, and, and you are not giving this stuff over to God. You're trying to do too much in your power. I love what Paul says in verse 27. He says, no, I, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I, find I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I think many people read this and they think, man, <laughs> Paul, you're talking about, man, I got to kill myself to even be even near what Paul's talking about here. I've got to kill myself in order to get the prize. I have to literally make my body a slave. Yes, to a degree, that is somewhat what he's saying. But I want you to understand, we've got to be careful because there has to be balance. There has to be balance. What am I talking about? We can't be on this end of the, pe of the spectrum you know, where we're lazy and we do, we do nothing for the kingdom. We do nothing to further what God has called us to do in our lives. And yet we also can't be so driven to this side of the spectrum that we're burnt out. And we've got nothing to offer. And we're not running the race the way God wanted. So make a habit of taking care of yourself. It may not sound super spiritual, but things like eating right. Things like taking that walk. You know, we talked about last week. You may not be able to run five miles right now, but you can take a walk around the block. There are things that you can do to, to, to help you feel better because God has given us that. Sleeping enough hours at night, <laughs> things like that. Those are things that will help you. Remember, it's not a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon. Start taking care of yourself. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about taking care of yourself. We talked about the importance of spending time alone with God each day. And along with that, we have to take care of ourselves physically and emotionally. I love what Solomon said in Proverbs 4, 23. He said, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, obviously, we, we teach that all the time. That's spiritual speaking right there. <laughs> you know, guard your heart. Do, do what God wants you to do, what he's called you to do. But I think you also have to remember there's, there's an emotional aspect to your heart and a physical aspect to your heart. And we cannot, as Christians, disregard that. 
And yet we can't be obsessed with it either. Because that's what I seem to find in a lot of people is we're still a people of obsession, (laughs) even with good things. But be balanced in this. For everything you do flows from your heart. We've talked about living in overdrive and we've talked about a lot of things. But really, to sum up, this purpose-driven living is what we're really talking about. Principle of listening to God's voice. Listen to his voice and put those things into practice that he's showing you about the future and not your own. The principle of spending time in his presence, living by his mercy. The principle of casting aside procrastination and taking a step, getting started. And this principle of productivity that we talked about today. I can't think as we look at 2017, is Highland Hills a church that's running to win the prize? Is it really? Or are we just here for the race? The answer is going to be by you. Are you running to win the prize? Or are you just happy to be in the race? I hope and pray that we're not just happy to be in the race as much as we're thankful for that. But we're running it to win it. I want to ask you to bow your heads today. And you read this passage. Listen to it, my voice as the worship team comes. Paul said that runners run to get a crown. What crown is he talking about? Well, there's different theological beliefs about this. But two main ones is that we're running to get this crown of reward for faithful ministry. Others believe it's talking about a crown of eternal life. Either way, we run the race for Jesus Christ. Either way, we run this race for him. We run it because Jesus gave his life for us. And we get the crown by knowing Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. He is King of kings, Lord of lords, and he's Lord of your life. Some of you are here today and you need to shift gears and put your life into overdrive by giving Jesus your life. You've never done that. He came because you have a sin problem. We are all born into this world for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we sin. We break the commandments of God. And God said, I love you so much that I want you to see that need for that sin. And I have sent you a Savior that will wash away. That will wash away the penalty for you. And so today, if you really want to change the course of your life, it's not because it's going to be fun and sexy, but it's because God has called you to that. He wants to save you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you. And he wants to give you the life that he has for you. Not the life you thought, the life he has for you. Nothing will be greater than that decision in your life. Give your life to him today. I would love to talk to you about that. I'm going to be down front. You come. I would love to have that discussion with you of what that means. Some of you here today, you're doing too much. Your life is unhealthy in some ways. You know it. 
Listen to the warning signs before it's too late. Listen to the warning signs of burnout. Listen to the things that that you know that God is trying to show you right now in this place. He's showing you that. Don't ignore it. Those pastors I told you a while ago, they now on this side of it have said, man, if I would have just listened to the voice of God that was telling me I was burning out, I would have not ended up where I did. Don't be that person either. Some of you, maybe you're on the other end of that spectrum. You're not doing enough. It can change today. Some of you just need some team help. Some of you need some people to come alongside you. Some of you need some people to just show they care. And hey, I want to sh- offer that to you at all times. My door is always open. The staff's door is always open. We have leadership in this church whose door is always open to talk and to pray. Take, do that. Take that step. Where do you need help? I'm going to give us a chance this morning to respond to some of this and before we come to the Lord's table. So we're going to sing a verse, give you a chance to respond at your seat at this altar, and then I'll invite us to come and celebrate communion together as we go today. Father God, work in this time as we sing. Show us what you want to show us. May you be honored in here with our thoughts and our decisions and what you're convicting us of in this place right now, that we can be healthy in our lives with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us sing.